It's showtime, folks. Son now. Ali to the left. Son on a mission to go alone. This is sensational. World class. Welcome to the Know It All podcast. We got a great show for you today. We're going to go all across Europe and look at all the matchups and uh, all the European divisions uh, this week. And then we're going to cut to our man Achilles Rain. He's going to join us to do a little NBA draft preview and prep. Uh, it will be part one. We'll do part two of the series uh, sometime next week. All right, let's get into soccer, and we'll start in the EPL, and we'll start with Manchester United. They have a very big game this week versus Everton. After that disgraceful showing this week in the Champions League uh, versus a Turkish team whose name I cannot pronounce, but who had never scored a goal and somehow put two on Manchester United after a pretty poor showing versus Arsenal um, earlier in the week on uh, Sunday, I believe, Manchester United is looking worse and worse. They are really down in the table in the EPL. Um, They sit now at number 15. They have two wins on the year to three losses. So the fire is... Getting a little hot on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and uh, I just don't know where this team goes. Uh, the defense is spotty at best. They don't seem to know what to do or how to play on offense. They're best when uh, teams are coming at them, and they can just counterattack with their uh, you know, speed attacking guys up front. But uh, the problem is their midfielders want to play on the ball and create space. And they just sort of have a mismatched team here, uh, especially if you want to go with uh, Pogba and uh, Bruno Fernandez. Uh, it really leaves you vulnerable in the uh, back there. Uh, I, I think they're going to have to just choose. Uh, you either play Bruno or you play Pogba, and uh, you probably can't play both together because I think you need either some combination of Fred, McTominay, or Mata back there to uh, help with the defense and offensively. Uh, if it's not a team coming forward like a PSG or a Leipzig, they're two games you know, that they've won recently and actually looked like they've played well. Um, if they can't counter, they don't score. And, uh, you know, basically teams just who, who sit back and make them 
play and create their own offense. Uh, Manchester United just really, really struggles. And um, I think things are getting in nervous time. And they have a big matchup versus Everton this week. And uh, if they don't win this matchup, I, I don't know where they really go. Uh, and uh, Ponchettino is sitting out there waiting for a job. And he seemed to be openly uh, sort of courting it uh, last week during his uh, – you know, pre-game show or post-game show on on the Sky Sports. So uh, it'll be interesting how that game plays out. Uh, Everton has not been in great form with uh, Richarlison out, and they gave Hamez a a little breather last week, and um, they just don't seem like the same offense without those two guys in there. Richarlison um, will be uh, suspended for one more game for that uh, red card. Um, I'm assuming Hamez uh, gets back out there. They also... Finally sort of pulled the trigger on the goalie, uh, Jordan Pickford. Um, now, Ancelotti said he'd be back this week, so the, that's sort of an interesting uh, thing to sort of keep an eye on. Uh, Pickford has been, I'd say, inconsistent at best the last two years. I'm I'm actually a little stunned. He's still the uh, England number one, but um, we'll see if this uh, benching sort of woke him up and he uh, gets a little more consistency uh, back there in goal, and we'll see if... Everton can uh, start to recreate the form they uh, showed um, earlier in the year. Uh, they're down to fifth in the table now. Um, we'll move on to somebody who seems to be uh, improving week to week, and that's Chelsea. They have uh, what would probably be a pretty easy game this week versus Sheffield, but uh, I just wanted to speak on Chelsea a bit. Uh, the offense is starting to come together, and uh, I can't say uh, how surprised I am that back line has really started to mold and uh they've had i believe three or four clean sheets in a row and it it's looking good tiago silva seems to have everyone in their place and uh without keppa and goal uh the guy they got there mindy now just it seems a lot more solid and uh if they can keep clean sheets they're gonna win games because uh that offense is uh something to something to watch it it's they can come all sorts of places uh Ziyech is starting to get into uh, form now, and it's really something to watch. Uh, Kai Havertz was out uh, due to COVID, and uh, Polisic once again has a hamstring injury. But uh, if they're going to have injuries, uh, it's going to be up front. They'll probably still be okay because they have a lot of talent up there. And uh, just been impressed with the way they've improved week to week. Another fun matchup in the EPL is uh, Leicester City versus Wolves. It'll be... Both teams have been in pretty good form. Uh, Leicester City's been in great form since Vardy came back and missed a couple games earlier in the uh, a couple weeks ago. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how these two teams match up this week. I'm really curious to watch. Wolves looked great last week, and um, just uh, can their defensive intensity uh, hold up versus uh, Leicester City's counterattack? Uh, these two teams both sort of like to sit back and uh, hit really hard on the counter. Um, and it's probably two of the best strikers out and out with uh, Raul and uh, Vardy up there. So it'll just be a really uh, fun matchup to watch. Uh, and then a big one, a great matchup, uh, two of the best teams in Europe and two of the best teams in the Premier League the last uh, five or so years, Man City and Liverpool. Man City really uh, looks to have uh, sort of gotten their defense in form. Uh, they're still struggling a little bit uh, to find some goals. 
uh, with uh, Sergio Aguero and uh, Jesus out. But um, uh, Jesus is starting to get healthy. I don't know where Aguero sits on the health side of things, but uh, if they can start to get that striker going, I I think Man City really becomes dangerous. And um, I'm starting to think maybe, just maybe, they are going to be the ones who are uh, pretty dangerous here to maybe take over the Premier League and win the Premier League this year. Uh, they got a nice boost from Foran for Torres, uh, who played striker for him in the uh, Champions League game. Uh, if he can fill that role uh, while the two guys are sort of either getting back to fitness or getting back to full health, uh, I think Man City's dangerous. I really do look for him to win this game. Uh, Liverpool Liverpool thrashed at Atlanta Champions League over the week, and it was just a, a beatdown. Atlanta didn't didn't look like they had a match. Didn't look like they were ready for that kind of match, and um, we'll get to them a little bit as the, their struggles continue. But uh, Liverpool hasn't shown any uh, really uh, defensive liability. Uh, so if their defense can hold up, uh, I really look for this one to be a cracking game. Uh, I do favor Man City uh, just a little bit. Now we're going to move into our Syria. Uh, Sassuolo played this uh, Friday as uh, we're recording this, and uh, they came away with a nil-nil draw, so uh, the Sassuolo magic looks to have uh, been contained a little bit this week, but uh, no loss, so they... uh, Stay at the number two spot so far in the uh, Syria table. I don't know if they can hold that spot. Uh, Juventus, Atalanta, Napoli, Inter, Milan are all sitting there right on their heels, but uh, they've been a joy to watch this year. This was the first one where they couldn't really find a way to score, so um, we'll see if it has any uh, sort of consequences going into the week and uh, if Juve or uh, at Atlanta... Uh, move up uh, and tie them in, uh, or if it starts sort of a, a down series for a Sassuolo. I, I would hate to see that, but uh, they've played really good football uh, so far this year, and uh, 0-0 tie on Friday, a little disappointing, but uh, it happens they've been playing so well, you knew there was going to be a come down a little bit. Uh, speaking of Juventus, they got a pretty big matchup versus Laszlo. Uh Laszlo's been playing a little better of late. Um, Juventus uh, probably had their best game they played uh, all season long in the Champions League. Now, granted, it was first low-level competition, but um, Ronaldo popped back with uh, three goals over the weekend, and uh, we'll see if Juventus can uh, start to put themselves back atop the Serie A table where they... uh, pretty much have been for the last eight years, uh, or it will continue to be a lot of sort of slow, unentertaining football to watch. Uh, and we'll see if Laszlo continues their pretty solid play uh, the last couple of weeks after playing uh, really bad football uh, to start the year. Uh, we'll move on to at Atlanta versus Inter. Huge game. Both teams are sort of in a pretty bad stretch of football. At Atlanta has been getting behind early in games, and uh, 
They needed everything they had two weeks ago to come back and tie that uh, Champions League game. But uh, in Syria, they've really been struggling. Now, they went through a little stretch like this last year where they struggled, and then they came around and bounced back. And uh, we'll see if they can do that uh, this year or it's uh, sort of the beginning of the end where their defense can't hold up anymore and they just can't quite find as many goals as they usually do. I haven't seen their play uh, drop off too much. The they just they've been getting caught early in these games and then they're really forced to uh, really try to fight back which opens them up even more than they're already open in the back and uh if they can sort of find a way to not get down in early in these games, I, I think they'll be back to their uh, normal selves. But uh, let's hope that comes around because they're my favorite team to watch in Syria. And uh, I hate seeing them go through a bad stretch. And uh, I hate to see them not make it out of the group stage in the Champions League as well. So speaking of uh, struggling, Inter's not been great of late Um they lost that game to uh, Juventus over the week and uh, fought back to get it to 2-2 and then uh, blew the game in the 80th minute. And really, they've just been sort of mediocre. Now, uh, you know, they've had injuries. Uh, their, you know, talisman Romian Lokaku has been out. And uh, without him, I, I think they really struggled to sort of do what they like to do, and uh, that might be an excuse for them. But um, if they're going to continue to contend in this Serie A, which, uh, you know, has a lot of teams fighting for those top spots and a lot of good teams, uh, they need to get back on track uh, themselves. Uh, so uh, this Atlanta inter matchup is probably a pretty big one to see who can sort of keep themselves afloat while they're in a down stretch. And, um AC Milan probably had their worst game of the season this week. Uh, I'm curious to see if they can bounce back versus Verona. Uh, Verona sits at seven, and they've been a, a pretty stingy team on uh, defense here. So uh, Milan, one of the best offensive teams in Syria, versus Verona is one of the best defensive teams. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, I think it was just sort of a aberration of a lot of games and a pretty much a lazy game in the Europa League uh, this week. But uh, it'll be an interesting matchup uh, versus Verona this week, and I'll I'll be curious to see how that plays out. All right, let's move on to La Liga. Uh, Barcelona continued to look poor, but they got the result on uh, Wednesday I, I don't know what more to say about this team. They're just basically a mess. They got some really fun young players to watch, but uh, that offense just gets so bogged down. Uh, it was nice to see Ter Stegen back, um, and they really needed him back because he made some ridiculous saves in the Champions League game from making that just a overall terrible result and uh, really saved them uh, to so they could get three points in that game. But uh, we'll see if they can sort of find a way to get goals versus Real Betis, whose uh, defense is a little shaky. So maybe this is the game where they can find some goals and find some offense. But uh, overall, continues to be thoroughly disappointing uh, to watch uh, Barcelona play, especially with the kind of talent that they have. Uh, just uh, 
doesn't feel right with Ronald Koeman there. He doesn't seem to have a feel for this team. Uh, Griezmann continues to miss just bunnies all over the place. He had a chance to get an easy goal in the Champions League this week and uh, just once again blew it. So uh, we'll see what uh, they do versus Real Betis, who's wide open play uh, might benefit Barcelona, but it also could hurt them because they're really a little shaky on defense, but it'll be good to have uh, Ter Stegen back. All right, we'll move to Atletico Madrid, who are playing Cadez. And uh, Cadez is a spunky underdog team. Now, just the kind of team that Simeone would probably like and enjoy. They're 4-5 in the table, but uh, this is the kind of game Atletico Madrid needs to win. They need to come out, they need to open up offensively, and they need to put it on this Cadez team. They have the horses to score goals, and... uh, they just they seem a little fearful to open it up and uh, get uh, burnt on the back end. And uh, I know that's not how Simeone wants to play, but uh, it might be because, you know, I really like Atletico Madrid and they're sort of my team in La Liga, but uh, they just got to open this thing up and let Jal Felix and Luis Suarez and uh, everyone else sort of play. Let them go. Let them score. I think the defensive will hold up in the back, uh, maybe not as much as Simeone wants, maybe not as many clean sheets as Simeone wants, but uh, I think this team could easily, easily win La Liga this year with the way uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid look. Uh, Villarreal's a little pesky, but I think Atletico Madrid's a much, much better team, and uh, Real Sociedad still sits up there, but uh, if you ask me if this was the year Atletico Madrid could take this league. This is the year to do it, and they need to be able to score goals. They need to get out of this conservative style with the kind of talent they have and uh, put it on Cadez this week. All right, uh, speaking of that, we'll go to Real Sociedad, the darlings of La Liga right now, and uh, we'll see if they can continue uh, their outstanding play. Now they're at the top of the table of La Liga. They sit... They have, I believe, one game in hand on top of, uh, you know, the top other top teams, uh, Real Madrid, Villarreal, uh, and uh, Barcelona. But um, we'll see if they have uh, the ability to continue to play well and uh, see how long they can hold this uh, top-of-the-table lead. They were a little shaky uh, last week. Um, this week versus Granada. It's uh it's a bit of a tricky matchup. Uh they played seven matches, they've allowed nine goals, they've scored nine goals. So uh you know what they're going to do? They're going to slow this tempo down. They're going to grind this tempo. And uh we'll see if Real Sociedad can open Granada up and uh turn this into a sort of open into game and uh see if you can force them to score. But uh we'll see how long Real Sociedad can uh stay atop this table and uh hold the pressure of being the uh number one team in La Liga right now. And last but not least, a pretty good matchup uh, to in the La Liga week, and that's uh, Valencia versus Real Madrid. Uh, Valencia's play's been uh, pretty poor this year, but I wouldn't say Real Madrid's play has been outstanding. Uh, Valencia has had their defensive issues, I would say, 
And it'll be interesting to see what kind of a style of play Real Madrid uh, comes out in. Uh, they seem a little bit more open with the addition of Eden Hazard. He looked at least somewhat semi-in shape uh, this week. So we'll see if Real Madrid uh, opens it up a little more if Hazard plays and they get the goals versus Valencia, or we go back to their sort of grinded-out style, which I think uh, if they go back to that, it would keep Valencia in this uh, game longer than they probably should be. All right. Uh, I'm going to touch on just one thing in the uh, French uh, Liga. PSG plays Todd Ramos, and uh, PSG is just, uh, once again, uh Bad game versus RB Leipzig. Uh, it really flipped when uh, Di Maria missed that penalty. And uh, after that, uh, RB Leipzig just put it on him. Uh, no creativity up front. Um, couldn't get goals. Now, they were out Mbappe and Neymar, but uh, you had to figure Neymar would pull his, you know, six-week siesta injury thing. Now, it was, you know, you count on Mbappe, who's been a pr- pretty consistent warrior for him, but... Uh, with the amount of talent and amount of funds that uh, PSG has invested in this club, they should be able to handle Leipzig uh, even without Neymar or Mbappe. But really, they just got played off the pitch. Um, they got played off the pitch first, Man United, and that was with Neymar and Mbappe. So I don't really know where this team sits. And uh, they put themselves in a pretty bad situation in the group stage. I'm I'm hoping for better play. Uh, you know, I don't pay attention much to these Liga matches because they are better than everybody else. But uh, I think Tuchel's starting to get a little pressure here. So we'll, we'll see uh, what they come out with this week. And uh, we'll see after the international break if uh, PSG can sort of right the ship and uh, power the way out of the group stage. Uh, with Man United losing, it, it gives them an opening to sort of run the table these uh, the last three games in the group stage and uh, put themselves back in position to try to win the Champions League, which is what the real motivation here is because uh, they will easily win the French League no matter what. And last but not least, we'll head to Germany. Some really big matchups this week. Uh, we'll start with RB Leipzig versus Freiburg. Um, RB Leipzig, after the not playing great for about a week um, versus first Man United, though. I thought they played pretty well in that game. They just got caught a couple times and made some poor mistakes. And uh, then once they got behind, they just uh, opened up uh, a little more than they should have and, uh, you know, got it put on them a little bit. And then, then they seemed to have a little bit of a hangover uh, the that weekend uh, in their showing in the Bundesliga, losing a 1-0 to Gladbach, but uh, there's really no shame in that. Uh, Gladbach's uh, really playing well. We'll get to them in a second with their matchup with uh, Byron Leverkusen. But uh, we'll see if uh, RB Leipzig uh, sort of gets back on track in the Bundesliga this week. Uh, And... uh, sort of uh, gets a nice little bounce uh, after their really good win versus PSG where they essentially outplayed them after the first 15 minutes of the game. And uh, we'll see where they sit. 
especially with a pretty easy matchup versus uh, Freiburg. I, I don't know if Freiburg will be able to sort of hang with them. So uh, we'll see if they get back on track this week. I'm expecting a pretty big win versus RB Leipzig. Now we'll get to the two really big games in uh, Germany this week. First, uh, you have the big matchup versus the two most dominant teams in the Bundesliga the last probably well, Bayern Munich forever, and uh, Dortmund easily the last 15 to 20 years. Dortmund versus Munich play this week, and uh, if Dortmund want a chance to, you know, sort of unseat Munich, this has to be a time. They're both sitting at 15 points, and uh, they need to get up on them. They need to show them that uh, the Bundesliga is going to be contended this year, and uh, Dortmund isn't somebody to play with. Now, uh, the last couple of years, they've had teams that have been good and are capable of challenging Byron, but every time they uh, step up to it, uh, they failed. And uh, I want to see if these young kids can handle the kind of pressure that uh, Munich's going to put on them. Can Haaland continue to, you know, just make himself one of the best strikers in the game? Uh, honestly, right now, I don't know if you have two better strikers in the game than uh, Ledendowski and... Uh, Erling Holland. So um, I'm really excited to watch this game. This is always, you know, real up and down, real open, and uh, it'll be something to watch. And uh, last in the Bundesliga, uh, sort of a, you know, a fun matchup that uh, maybe not a lot of people know about. Uh, Byron Leverkusen and uh, Gladbach uh, playing each other. Uh, they sit 4-5 in the table. Uh, just off the pace of Leipzig, Dortmund, and Bayern. But uh, these two teams have been uh, really enjoyable to watch. Uh, Gladbach's been playing really great soccer. They just dominated the Champions League matchup versus uh, Shakhtar Donetsk this week at 6-0. They came off a win versus RB Leipzig, and uh, they come off the 2-2 uh, tie to Real Madrid, a game they really should have won, but uh, Gladbach's just playing really, really good soccer right now, and uh, I, can they keep it up? Uh, Leverkusen also has been playing really well, uh, coming off a Europa League win, and uh, you know, a uh, nice win versus Freiburg at 4-2. And uh, their offense just continues to click, and they've been really able to score even uh, with some uh, losses uh, to transfers uh, at the start of the year. Uh, they don't seem to have missed Kai Averts at all, and uh, they're playing great. So uh, I look for a really, really good game in uh, Gladbach and Leverkusen. Uh, it might be just as exciting as uh, Dortmund and Munich. All right, that's our uh, look at uh, across the globe in the European Soccer Leagues. Now let's go to our NBA draft coverage. All right, that's our show. Uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter, GLNChamp5. You'll get all your Breeders' Cup uh, picks for all day Saturday. We'll also tweet out our football picks and uh, be sure to pay attention as we might have some live game picks during the football season, during the football games all day Saturday and Sunday. All right, we're going to move to our NBA draft coverage, our first draft preview of the year. Our man Achilles Rain is with us pulling triple duty this week. Boxing on Monday, football on Tuesday and Thursday, and now NBA. What don't you know? 
<laughs> uh, not as much as you, uh, Mr. Know-it-all. All right, so we're going to get into a little draft coverage. We're, we're going to start out easy, and uh, let's see where our top, let's go with our top five guys. Who do you have as your number one guy in this NBA draft? You know, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, we didn't really get a chance to kind of settle in after the, uh, the season. Uh, obviously, they want to get the season started at a regular or close to regular time as possible. Um, and we're still kind of, at least me, I'm still kind of on a championship hangover. But I had to go back and kind of look, and, uh, you know, there's a couple of guys that stand out for me, but um, I, I really like James Weissman. I know that he's probably not going to go, like, number one overall. <laughs> but <laughs> why are you laughing? Because that's who I have, number one. You're already doing great. <laughs> See, there's just... I, I, I was watching tape on him, and he just he he seems like he's ready for the NBA right now. Uh, you know, he's he's big, he's physical, he plays good defense. You know, um, kind of like an old school type of uh, a big man. And I like what I see from him, so I kind of have him as the number one prospect for me. Yeah, he's definitely my number one prospect, and uh, we'll get into a little later where I think he should probably land, but. Um, his size and athleticism is really something special. And there's a chance there that he can also sort of, as his skills grow, morph into a more a guard style, like where he can handle out on the top of the key, a la Kevin Garnett and Rasheed Wallace type sort of stuff. So, uh, but I mean, if you're drafting him like right now, I mean, I think you have a perfect pick and roll big who can roll the basket, get you dunks. And uh, on the defensive side, now he might not be able to handle, you know, switching on pick and rolls quite yet you know he doesn't move laterally all that great but uh for a guy his size you place him down there by that basket uh the way teams were playing more zone this year i think uh you got a huge large athletic big guy who is uh sort of rare really uh these days uh to have someone that kind of size and that kind of athleticism uh you get mostly wings mostly guards these days and uh I just figure he's special. There are a lot of wings in this draft. There are a lot of guards in this draft. There aren't many bigs with uh, this kind of athleticism in this draft. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you basically hit the nail on the head there. Um, I like him as my number one. Who do you have at number two? Well, my number two guy is probably most people's number one guy. Um, I don't love him, but I, I think the skills are there to – to make a player uh, out of him that could be pretty special. Uh, I have Anthony Edwards as my number two guy. Hold on. Let me laugh now. (laughs) Okay, go ahead now. All right. Well, uh, I think there could be some defensive qualities in there. He didn't show it at Georgia, um, and he didn't really show a lot of shooting at Georgia, but I I think that was more a product of the way Georgia was built where they – essentially put the whole offense on him. And uh, I think there's a player there. Now, I don't know if there's a, let's say, an elite scorer. That's where I move him down off that one spot. But I think he could be a sort of a solid scorer, a solid shooter, and a good defender um, with his athletic skills if his head is right. That's where you get sort of a little weird. He didn't work hard on the defensive end at Georgia. 
He took a lot of bad shots at Georgia, but it's hard to read how much of a product that was of bad team versus sort of his style of play. Yeah, uh, I have him at number two also. Um, you know, he's he's got a really high-level athleticism. You know, he's got a quick first step. Uh, you know, he's a finisher when it comes to driving down the lane. Uh, but, you know, there are some flaws. Uh, he does need to improve his uh, mid-range game. Uh, he needs to improve his uh, free throw percentage, especially if he's going to be used as a combo guard, uh, which he can play. But, you know, he still has all the tools. And for, to me, he's also got the potential to be uh, one of those main type top 10 players uh, if he starts to work at his craft more. Yeah, I had uh, I wrote down three comps for him, sort of spanning a skill set that he could be. My first comp was, um, you probably won't know this guy, but he was a also a player at Georgia, Jermaine Jones. He was a sort of lanky wing who could do a, all sorts of kind of things, but he ended up being mostly a role player because he never sort of learned to shoot. He was a solid defender, but not a great defender. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably the floor for uh, someone like Edwards. And then the other two comps I had were the one I really think I feel like he could be like is a Latrell Sprewell where he's sort of that combo guard who can guard all sorts of type of positions, real sort of athletic and herky jerky and can get to the basket and get to the rim, can mix in a okay jump shot in there. And the other one I had, if that jump shot improves is someone like uh, Mitch Richmond, uh, you know, a bona fide scorer. Now he was a bona fide scorer for a lot of bad teams, especially when he got traded to San Francisco. But the, those were sort of the comps I was looking at uh, full range of uh, Anthony Edwards sort of floor ceiling type things. Yeah. I, I mean, I see exactly where you're coming from. Um, <clears throat> I mean, as far as like, I mean, to me, they're the top two guys right now. Um, looking, looking down, I mean, there's a lot of talent here. Uh, a lot of it's unknown to most people, especially with, this situation we're currently under, but, uh, at three, uh, I have, uh, Mr. Obi, uh, you know, he's a, he's a pretty good player. He's a, he's versatile. He's uh he's got good size. You know, he's not the most defensive player, but you know, bigs are kind of hard to come by, especially once with, uh, you know, like a positive outlook for the future. And I think he's one of those guys. Uh, he's pretty solid. He's not the most defensive player, like I said, but part of that I think might have been the fact that he played so much at center. Uh, so I don't know how much you can really put into that. I see him more as like a, playing at the four or something like that. But I, I like him as uh, my third one. Yeah, uh, I'm liking your ranking so far. Um, I don't have him at three, but I do have him pretty high up there. At, I have him as my number five guy, and uh, I agree with you. Real athletic, uh, big. I mean, he's not – you know, James Wiseman's size, but he was sort of playing center for Dayton uh, to get a lot of mismatches, and he was able to abuse Smalls, but uh, he also showed the ability to step out there and shoot that jumper. Now, defensively, he's a pretty bad train wreck, but uh, I don't think you're, when you're drafting somebody like him, I, I think you're looking totally for the offensive side of the ball, and uh, I think he's a could be a really valuable sort of score inside outside if you put a small on him he can go down on that block and put that spin move on him and get a dunk and if you put a big on him he can pick a pop and shoot that uh jumper out there and uh sort of light you up now 
I don't know what he will ever become defensively, but I, I thought I'd go back to my comps for uh, Obi Toppin. And uh, on the bad side, I had Tyrus Thomas. And, uh, you know, I sort of saw the same sort of things on Tyrus Thomas. He could stretch the floor. He could get down low and and uh, mess with a small. But uh, defensively, he was really bad, and his effort level sort of winged and waned. And uh, then on the other side of um, – I had him compared to someone like Cedric Sabalos or Amari Stoudemire, just those athletic bigs who aren't necessarily great defensively, but uh, they can definitely change the game on the offensive side of things. Yeah, and I mean, he also has the ability to stretch out the floor, so he's definitely the type of player that can, uh, you know, create some mismatches out there. Um, so there's that. He's got he's got a lot of things going for him. He's got some flaws here and there, but everyone has flaws, especially, you know, coming into the league, you know, no one's going to be hundred percent polished. Those who are, are obviously going number, you know, one overall. So. Yeah. Uh, my number three guy though, was uh Killian Hayes, the uh, sort of hybrid guard out of France. Um, he played on a top end German team uh, this last year. Now uh, they didn't really get to compete their season, but uh, he's just a real versatile sort of uh, tweener guard. Um, his handle is not quite as steady as you'd like for a point guard, but uh, I think he's more of a hybrid guard than a point guard. But if you watch him play, he's really smart, knows how to play make, uh, got great size, and uh, is a tenacious defender. And um, I sort of just like all those things. I think uh, he's also been playing professional ball since he was about, you know, 13, 14 years old. So even though he is really young, he just turned 19 a couple months ago, I think you could – draft him right now and he could be ready to jump in the league and play a position be able to guard um there's a little bit of sort of his athleticism that's not great but uh I think he knows how to sort of use his body all all like Luka Doncic who can you know he's not the fastest guy but he can manipulate his body and size to get to the rim and uh I see that from Killian Hayes yeah I mean you basically said it all right there I mean you know he's pretty tall. Uh, he's uh, he's got good length as far as his wingspan is concerned. Uh, you know he's fluid when he's out there. There's some things that I don't like. Uh, he's not the best spot up shooter. Uh, you know he can work on his step back a little bit. Uh, he does tend to be a little turnover prone when he's playing at the one. Uh, he tries to force you know a lot of passes. His assist turnover ratio is not that good. Uh, but, you know, these are all things that he can work on. You know, like you said, he's been doing this for a long time. So this is his craft. This is his uh, profession. So I only see him getting better. So yeah. I, I totally see why you have him there. The other thing about that is um, it's weird to say, but uh, the leagues in Europe are actually a lot more physical than the NBA. They'll let you get away with a lot more. So uh, when those guys come over here in the uh, States and play in the NBA, when they start calling a lot of touch fouls and stuff like they do now, um, he might be able to generate a little bit more space. Those turnovers might go down a little bit because he has a little bit more room uh, to work with than uh, some of those physical styles in Europe where, they're, well, th- where they will just maul you uh, and nobody will call anything. Yeah, I see your point there. We might have to watch a Euro game sometime. I mean, it sounds like uh, I personally never really sat down and watched something other than highlights. But, uh, yeah, this sounds, sounds interesting. Sounds old school. <laughs> I can't wait to get you to bet on those. 
<laughs> oh man, it's gonna be a little while before I jump on bets from we the might, uh, European German league. We might have you on in a couple months to bet on the Greek basketball league. Oh gosh, <laughs> who do you have next? All right, what are we at? Number four. Uh, let's see. You just went over Killian Hayes. So. Yes, that was my number three guy. My number four guy is Tyrell Terry. Now, uh, this is a big jump, and uh, he wasn't a huge prospect coming into college, but um, I see scoring here. I see a lot of scoring, and I see a lot of shooting, and this league's built for shooting. Now, the bust potential on this guy is a little more uh, there than uh, probably some of the other guys who are a lot more solid, but uh, I really see this guy as a, being able to play a role in an NBA game, even right now, despite his small stature. Shooting carries. No matter where you are, if you can shoot, and you can shoot off the dribble, and you can score, uh, I really just uh, like the way this guy took over at Stanford and was the came in and was the main cog of their offense. You know, I didn't really uh, think about it that much, but... I see. I see where you're coming from. You you make a lot of valid points. Uh, I can see why you'd have him there, but I actually have uh, Lamelo Ball there. Uh, you know, there's a lot to like there. There's also a lot to hate, a lot to be scared about. Uh, he is a, a ball after all, but you know he's uh, he's he's a good player. Uh, he's coming off playing it. You know, I guess you'd consider it semi pro. Uh, you know, but the guy's got a good size. You know, he's got he's, he's Got good length for a guard. Uh, he can shoot off the catch. He can shoot off the dribble. Uh, he, there's a lot of good things he can do. He's a good defender. He's quick with his hands. You know, he can get a lot of steals. Uh, he's got a high basketball IQ. He can score from anywhere in the half court. I mean, you know, offensively, he, he's he got it all. He's pretty good defensively also. But there's a lot of things that also kind of uh, scare me a little bit. Like I said earlier, the fact that he's a ball the fact that, you know, he's not a really explosive athlete. Uh, he doesn't really get really high, a lot of hang time or anything like that. Uh, his shot selection does need to improve. He's, you know, he's one of those kind of kind of like a Steph Curry type of player where he knows he can shoot from anywhere and sometimes uh, he'll take a really poor shot because he thinks he can make it. And Yeah, the problem is he can't make it and Steph Curry can't. That, that's what I'm saying is, you know, once you get to Steph Curry's level, you – you get the pass where you can shoot from anywhere. It doesn't matter, but you know, he needs to improve his uh, shot decisions. Yeah. Uh, I had ball really far down there. And uh, some of the stuff I'd been hearing uh, from people who said uh, he hasn't really interviewed well or worked out well, he just scares me. Uh, there's a playmaker there who can sort of do a lot of things, but uh, I think he's really, really dependent on uh, the type of team he goes to. Uh, I think if he goes to some team where he has to be the guy and there's no sort of leadership there or anything, I, I don't think he succeeds at all. But if he, he makes it to a team that has, you know, a couple really solid players and he can, you know, and they sort of tell him, here's your role, you're going to play this role or you won't play, uh, I think he has a better chance of success because uh, he's really had no discipline on any team he's been. They've just let him have free reign and shoot where he wants and uh, shoot as much as he wants and not play defense. And that's just not really something that flies on uh, good NBA teams. Yeah, I totally see where you're coming from. You know, the the issue, like I said, there's, there's some things to be scared of here. You know, and I think that 
because he's been, I don't want to say coddled. That's not the right word, but you know, he's so much is expected from him because of his, uh, his father. You know, we, we've seen the kind of pressure he puts on his children and I don't want to make him out to be a bad guy or anything, but because of that, like you said, he's had free range pretty much anywhere he's been, you know, and you don't know what you're getting. I mean, you know that he's talented. He's, he's got a lot of potential, but the question marks are there as far as like how he's going to fit in once he's not in charge. Yeah. Uh, I had two comps to him that I thought he could become, and uh, I comped him to, like, Boris Diaw or uh, Tony Kukoc, where you get a little bit of everything. And now the defense is sort of the one thing that I don't know how well that come along, but you got a guy who can shoot, who can play make, who can create offense for others, and can sort of play multiple positions and fit in anywhere. Now, if he can re- reach that top-level potential, I-, I think he deserves that kind of ranking. I just, uh, I'm really scared, you know, what kind of team he goes to. And uh, we can sort of move into uh, the teams at the top of the draft board. And uh, I was going to say somewhere like uh, Minnesota, who has the first pick, I don't think that would be a good fit for somebody like Ball uh, with, let's just say, poor leadership there. Uh, Russell Towns have never really shown the ability to want to lead. And I think he'd just sort of be left there to his own devices. And him, Towns, and Russell probably would be fighting over the ball to see who could jack up the worst shots and get the numbers while losing games. I mean, I think we'll touch on the Minnesota needs in a little bit. But, you know, I I really like the way you're setting up your your board. Uh, Who do you have next, actually? I had Obi Toppin at five. So okay. my number uh, six guy was uh, Isaac Orko, the Ar- Auburn uh, sort of uh, hybrid guard. Now, this guy does not shoot great, but uh, if you read a lot of what uh, SEC players, uh, Anthony Edwards and stuff, who said the guy they don't want to go up against, it was Isaac Orko. Now, I, I think this guy could be a real player. Now, he's got some issues shooting. His free throw percentage was terrible for a guard. and uh, But I, I think there's a tough, hard-nosed working player there who could be on a lot of winning teams. So I just think uh, it would benefit people to have somebody like Isaac Orko. Now, my comps on him were Justice Winslow, Anthony Mason, and Lamar Odom. Now, he doesn't quite have the size of Lamar Odom, but I do like the Anthony Mason sort of comp there. A big, strong sort of guard who could do all sorts of type of things. The one thing he can't really do is shoot, but uh, if you put good players around him, I really think uh, he could be a real nice player in this league. Now, you also have the back end of that is somebody like uh, Justice Winslow who's sort of... Same type player, but has never really found his footing in this league so far. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much said it all right there. I, I, I mean, we see pretty close. I mean, uh, the differences aren't much as far as your analysis about him. Uh, I feel pretty much the same. But, you know, I like how, how deep you're actually getting into this. Like, I, I really want to keep your, your list, to be honest with you. All right, we'll move on through. Uh, let's go through our top ten instead of our top five. Who do you got up as your number? Uh, what are we on? Five or six for you? 
Uh, I don't know what we're on. I lost track. I, I got so into listening to your analysis that I lost where I was at. Let's go to your number six guy. All right. Who do I have at number six? Or your number uh, five guy. Oh, no. I think I did. I think I did number five. Didn't I? Wasn't that LaMelo? Yeah, you did LaMelo. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, for next one, uh, I have uh, Denny out of Israel uh, playing with the uh, national team. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I heard a little bit about it. To be honest with you, I had I didn't watch a lot of him prior to the last couple of days when I started looking into him, and I really like what I see, man. Um, you know, you probably know a lot more about him than I do because you tend to be kind of a fiend when it comes to sports. So I'm sure you soak up all the uh, Israel basketball games that you can. I've actually seen him play a couple times. Yeah, see, I thought so. Uh, what What do you think about him? Well, uh. I like him. Like, I like him as a basketball player. Now, the one problem is he can't shoot at all. Like, it's possible it's broke, that jump shot. But, I mean, he is super athletic, super aggressive, um, and super strong for such a young guy. I I think he could come into the league and uh, do some things for you. Uh, But... I, I'm scared the shot's going to cost him a little bit here. Oh, this is what I've seen, okay? I, I've seen the fact that, yeah, he's not the most consistent shooter, but he's streaky. You know, he kind of gets into into a little rhythm when he starts feeling good about his shot, and he just and he, he'll start draining him. He's got that potential. So I think, you know, he can work on it. It's something he can improve on. Uh, but, you know, he's he's versatile. You know, he, he can go from, like, the two guard. He can go even up to power forward at times, depending on who the matchup is. The guy's got a really high basketball IQ. He's not afraid of the big stage. He's been in big games, games that matter. Uh, You know, he's got elite court vision. So I see potential in him. I think that, you know, at this, this part of the the first round, I don't think he's that huge of a gamble. He's kind of safe because you know what you're getting. Yeah. uh, I I agree. I think he'll be a player in this league for at least, you know, 12 to 15 years. Now, is he going to be a star? I don't know that. But uh, I, I do agree with you that that shot probably can be fixed, and I think he's such a worker that he can work on it. And, you know, I went comp-wise. I went with Mike Dunleavy, Andre Iguodala, and Detlas Shrimp. So two of those guys can shoot. Andre Iguodala never really learned to shoot, but they're all sort of big defensive playmakers who can pass the ball, create offense. And uh, if he can learn to shoot, I I really think he could be a player in this league. But even without that jump shot, I think he's smart enough to sort of be able to find a place in this league where he's either a really high-end role player or, uh, you know, maybe a number three on a really good team. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's certain things I like about him. You kind of know what you're getting. Uh, experienced, big stage type of player. So as long as he can work on being a more consistent shooter, I think that, you know, you get yourself a solid player. Also, this guy played in uh, a very high-end league and uh, and a lot of high-end games. Uh, he didn't play a ton of minutes, but, uh, I mean, he played against true professionals who with teams that could compete against NBA teams. So uh, the the stage, I don't think, would be too bright for him. What do you have next? All right, we're moving on to my number seven guy. I have the Florida State product, Devin Vassell. Um, Another sort of wiry wing guy who can 
defend. Now, once again, we go back into, I hate to keep preaching on it, the shooting is not great, and uh, the, he's not, I'd say, a explosive, explosive athlete when getting to the basket. But this guy will work his butt off. I think his shot can get there where he could be a catch-and-shoot guy. And uh, I think he could really, his energy uh, can sort of change games. Yeah, um, you know, I basically went up to this point in my list, uh, and I see where you're coming from, but I actually have uh, the center, uh, the power forward center combo from uh, USC, uh, I believe Onyeka Okongwu. Hey, that was pretty I good. Want, yeah, I don't, Are you I doing pronunciation right. practice in your car today? I, I was trying on my way home. I was like, okay, let's not mess this name up because I figured if they anyone were going to stumble with me, it was going to be this one. But, um, yeah, you know, again, another big man. I kind of I kind of like the big men uh, early on. You know, they they make pretty good foundations to build teams off of. If you're picking this high, chances are that you need to rebuild or you are pretty bad. So I think the big guys are always kind of a – a good building block to start, you know, building up a franchise. You know, the guy, he's uh, he's an exceptional uh, rim protector. You know, even though he's a little bit undersized for a big man, um, he's got really good athleticism. That's because he's probably cause he's not as big as some of the other guys, you know, but he's uh, surprising, surprisingly well. Um, free throw shooter, uh, his percentage is pretty high. I believe he was in the high, like the high to mid-70s, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, and he can he has the potential to play elite on both sides of the ball. Um, there are some things, though. Like I said, he's not really he's not that big, and he has to rely on his uh, physicality a lot, which could be of concern, uh, especially with the uh, touchy fouls that go on in the NBA nowadays. Uh, his field goal percentage is not that good. He relies a lot on second chance points. Um, you know, but he works for him. You know, he goes up. He's trying to get offensive boards and. I see I see a lot of potential with him. Um, you can even use him as a stretch four if he can somehow improve his, you know, his shooting a little bit. But for right now, you get a big guy who can, you know, go after rebounds and play good defense. Yeah, uh, I had him a little lower. And it, it's not because I don't think he can be a player in this league. I definitely think he can be a player in this league. I just worry uh, a little bit uh about his fit in the league. He can guard. I just wonder if he'll he'd be preferably like in a small ball lineup like a Draymond Green, a much more athletic Draymond Green. I don't know if he can switch and guard those kind of players. I, I, I know he will be an elite rim protector, so he'll find his place in this league. I just I sort of wondered if he ever sort of fits, especially offensively. He definitely can, you know, pick and roll and dive. Uh, will that shot extend out? And he, if he can build on that shot, I, I think he has a much safer place in getting minutes in this league. But I, I can see him as a valuable sort of role player in the uh, JaVel McGee, Montez Harrell type, uh, you know, space where he comes in, good energy, you know, short minute span. Uh, but uh, my comp to him was sort of a, a Jawan Howard, Amir Johnson type. So you got the steady like Jawan Howard who could, you know, play 30 minutes a game, defend multiple positions. You know, he learns to score a little bit. And then you got Amir Johnson, who was just that, a big who could come in, eat minutes, grab some rebounds, guard some people, and, uh, you know, use his energy in short bursts and then it goes to the bench. 
so that's why I dropped him a little bit. I didn't want to put him in my top 10 because uh, I think it might take him also a handful of years, you know, to develop into the type of player that you need uh, to play in an NBA game. Yeah, I mean, I see where you're coming from. You know, my only argument there is that some of the guys that I ended up moving down a little bit, you know, it's because one, they're guards. Uh, you get more guards, you know, with talent than you do big men with talent. Uh, so, you know, the potential for him to to get better, I think, is a is good upside. Uh, I think it's almost, I wouldn't say a certain thing because nothing's certain, but I, I think it's, you know, pretty fair to say that he's going to get better, you know, and with all the other guards, you know, a lot of these guys do have some uh, field goal percentage problems that you also need to work on. But I feel like when you get a guy who can be a rim protector, you can use him at that while he works on the rest of his game. Yeah, that's that's a good take on that. Uh, I agree with you. The guard position and the wing position is a little overloaded. And if you can find sort of a special big like this, uh, you go after him. I just... I worried about maybe his slow development. Like, you know, in eight years, we'll, we'll see him and be like, that's a good NBA player. But in four years, we'll be like, what happened? Yeah. What team is that guy on now? <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I could see that. I guess I could see that. It's just, like I said, the, uh, the field goal percentage from some of these other guards that I have just below him, um, I didn't even bother going through the rest of the rankings. I just thought that, you know, this was a solid starting point to kind of go from. But, yeah, I, I like the bigs, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, you want to move off our rankings and uh, talk a couple of these teams in this draft and uh, see what maybe they might do or what they should do? Sure. All right. Why don't we start out with the number one pick here, Minnesota. Uh, you had Wiseman. I had Wiseman. I'm not sure he's a great fit for Minnesota here. Uh, They have Carl Anthony Towns. I don't know if you could play Wiseman and Towns together and D'Angelo Russell. That just seems like they will be giving up 150 points a game. But uh, I don't know if I like the Edwards fit here, too. I I know Minnesota's been trying to shop this pick. What are your thoughts on Minnesota here? Yeah, you know, I kind of had a feeling that they would be better off getting out of the first overall pick. That's crazy. It sounds like I just, because the two guys that they're banking their future on D'Angelo Russell and uh, Towns, like you said, neither of them have really taken over the leader position on that team, but you know that it's going to be one or it's going to be the other, you know? So I feel like they actually need to bring in a defensive anchor uh, they should focus on uh, getting a stopper, somebody who's going to help them out defensively because they're not going to be that good defensively as they stand right now. Um, I would try to trade down and then get some help on defense. Maybe, you know, with that trade, you pick up a player that's going to help you. And then maybe you take a wing player, uh, a wing player or a forward. Um, like, uh, I, what's Isaiah, Isaac, uh, what's his name, Okoro? Yes, Isaac Okoro. Yeah, like, I, I think he would be okay. Uh, obviously, if you trade down, because I don't like him for the number one pick, but if I was him, that's what I would do. I would trade out of the first pick and then try to get a player and a pick in the first round and then uh, build the defense up. Yeah, I think that's really the dilemma there, because uh, 
I think Isaac would fit good. Uh, I think Killian Hayes would fit great there. Now, do you have the, let's say, cojones to take someone who isn't, you know, quite graded as high as a Wiseman or an Edwards or a Ball and uh, sort of fit your team to what you're drafting? Or do you just sort of bite the bullet, take a Anthony Edwards and hope it sort of all works out? Because, uh, I mean, I think somebody like Killian Hayes would fit in nicely there. you got a tweener guard who doesn't necessarily need the ball all the time, doesn't need to shoot, can defend multiple positions and play make for others. But uh, to make Killian or Isaac or, you know, Devin Vassell your number one pick, that would be, I think, hard to stomach for some of the fans there. Yeah, like I said, I don't see him going as the number one overall pick. I think you got to get something else out of it. That's the only way I see this making any sense. The problem is I don't know if anybody else wants that number one pick. Yeah, I mean, there's some teams out there that, you know, could potentially just be trying to draft best available and they, maybe they want to make a play. But, I mean, it's it's tough to really predict what's going to happen. Yeah, let's move on to probably the most interesting team in this draft. Um they're going to be contending for an for an NBA championship next year, I'm assuming. The Warriors sit at number two. Now, I really think they should take Wiseman and not try to trade this pick. Um, I think if you throw out Wiseman, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry, that's a pretty pretty deep lineup that uh, can do a whole lot of things. And then you know, if Wiseman's not playing well. Or you don't have the matchup, you could take Wiseman off, go to that small ball lineup. I just really think they should go after Wiseman in that spot. Yeah, I mean, obviously we both like Wiseman, and I think that you know if he's there, and I'm and I'm the Warriors, I'm taking him. You know, you can always fit in a guy like that, especially. I know you've got you know Curry, you got Thompson, you got Green. You know, you got the the fundamentals of your team, which everybody thinks they're gonna you know with all of them healthy, they're a contender. Uh, you add a guy um, like Wiseman into the mix, and, you know, he helps. But if I was them, I would probably try and bundle up some picks and go after, like, a player that's going to help them right now, um, you know, like an impact player at this moment because they are contenders. And I don't know if you even, – even though it, Wiseman makes you better, I don't know if you want to bank on him – helping you, you know, go all the way. Yeah, I think if you can get a true impact player, I think that's where it sort of, you know, draws the line. If you're just trading the pick to trade the pick for a impact player that isn't really an impact player, I don't think that's a good deal. Now, the Warriors are smart, and I think they, you know, can sort of sort out who's good and who's bad. But uh, I just wouldn't trade the pick because, you know, you're getting a fifth-year veteran who's sort of a – maybe an all-star. No, oh, yeah, I agree with you. It has to be a, like a definite, like, you know, no, no questions about it. This guy's going to help us day one. If it's not that type of player, then, then at number two, if he's still available, then I think you take Wiseman. I think also if you take Wiseman here, I mean, he doesn't have to have a lot of responsibility. He's in a good culture and basically all he'll have to do is set picks for Curry and, you know, set picks for Draymond and dive to the rim and get a lot of dunks and, you know, clean up messes when people are coming to the rim. It's sort of a, a simple way and an easy way to grow sort of 
into the league and into your game. And then, you know, by the time Curry and uh, Draymond and Clay are all sort of ending out of the league, you know, aging out of it, maybe uh, James Wiseman is then at that point where he can carry your franchise on into the, you know, next level and start anew. Yeah, and like I, I agree with you. Like I said, if that was me, if, I, if I'm the Warriors, I'm taking Wiseman. I like Wiseman. Uh, yeah, and I think you can't go wrong with him, you know, but say he is gone. What do you, what do you think? I don't. Because, I, I mean, the Warriors, I mean, to begin with, the Warriors, are not, they don't draft like traditional big men like Wiseman. They don't normally yes. have those type of guys. They have more versatile guys that can kind of, you know, move around a little bit more. But I think that, you know, if Wiseman's gone, which I don't think he will be because he doesn't fit very well uh, in Minnesota, um, I think that, you know, an interesting one is uh, is Obi. I think he's an interesting uh, – I think he fits in well with that team too. Yeah, I, I think Obi would be a nice little uh, – he could also be, you know, a rim runner, and then he can kick out where uh, James Wiseman likes to shoot, but I don't know necessarily if he can shoot. There's, But I, I know Obi can shoot. Now, the, the thing with Obi is the defensive thing. Now, I don't know if Obi would come in and start, like, right away. You know, maybe they bring him in off the bench for high energy and high points so they can sort of cover up those uh, defensive flaws. But – uh. I wouldn't mind Obi here. Now, uh, the other thing you could do uh, is maybe trade back, maybe get a decent role player, and then uh, then take Obi a, yeah. a little bit later in the draft. Yeah, that's that's a. I mean, to me, like if you can't get, you know, if you can't get him at the morning, then that's the perfect scenario is trading down, uh, and then using hopefully a first round pick somewhere in the mid tier to like the high top 10 then you can kind of really look at him as a good fit uh just like you said yeah uh, i wouldn't be scared also to trade back in this draft because uh i think everybody's a a little jumbled up you you don't necessarily know who's gonna you know work out right and who's not i think everybody's got so many you know good qualities but they're also flaws that literally come with every one of these players it's not like an elite, elite draft where you go, that guy's going to be a superstar. That guy's going to be an all-star for, you know, X number of years. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, I, like I said, I, re- I like Wiseman because to me he's got, you know, the tools. He's He's got the size. He's got the things you need. But I, I don't think that, like you said, there's any, like, guaranteed, uh, you know, lock-on superstars here. Yeah, the – Wiseman was the only one I thought maybe could sort of morph into a, a franchise-type guy just based on his size and athleticism, but uh, there's a little bit too much unknown about him. We're going to move on to a really weird team and one that, you know, I don't think has the assets to move up, but probably the one that would probably most benefit from taking a Wiseman or an Anthony Edwards and that's Charlotte. Um, they sit at three. I think there's a pretty sharp drop-off after Edwards and Wiseman. Uh, there are a lot of good players, but Charlotte already has, I think, a team of, you know, sort of okay to good players. And uh, But I don't know if they have the assets to really move into that one or two spot. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that they're better off right now because of their current situation you know, with Kemba taking off and all. Uh, 
they need to get a guy who they believe has the potential to be a superstar. Um, there, like I said, there's no guarantees. There never is any guarantees. But whoever they have on their top board as having the most ability to become, you know, or the most potential to become a superstar, I think that's the guy you go after at this point. Yeah. Uh, you have anybody you think you see as a great fit in Charlotte? This would be one of the teams where, like Lamelo Ball, I would not oh, like him out. That, that's listen. That, that's the guy that I thought would probably I wouldn't say a good fit but the team this is a team that I see him going to potentially because like I said they're looking for that one guy who's going to come in and has the potential to become a superstar uh LaMelo has the potential to become a star I don't know about a superstar um I, I like I said there's still a lot of question marks and there's a lot of a lot you're risking with that gamble but this is somewhere I could see him going yeah, I I think you win the marketing battle if you take LaMelo here. The problem is I don't know. You know, as I was speaking about, like, leadership, this Charlotte situation just would put him in the middle of to where he thinks he can pull up and shoot a bunch of crap shots all day long. And uh, I just don't like this situation. Now, a situation where I would like him, would be like the Warriors who already have a, you know, higher order and a pecking order that, you know, if he takes a stupid shot, Curl, just pull him and be like, we have Curry and Clay, we don't really need you. The problem is I don't think the Warriors would get anywhere close to <laughs> laying a finger on ball. Oh, no, no, there's no way. I don't see that happening anytime soon. Uh, was there someone else you thought Charlotte might want to lean with? I, I don't know. I mean... Like I said, if I'm them, I'm going, I'm looking at my board and I'm looking at who the top potential star is. And that's who I'm taking. You know, I don't think they're that horribly off, you know, for a rebuilding team technically, you know, but I think that they have to bank their money on getting someone that's going to fill seats and uh, who they can kind of count on to be the the attention grabber. Yeah. I thought maybe this could be a spot for Terry, Tyrell Terry. Um, they already have a lot of small guards who like jacking threes. So uh, I don't know if it's a great fit. But uh, if there was someone I thought you could build your offense around, I think it might be him, as in he's sort of like a Trey Young light type thing. Now, I don't know how successful or how many wins that you know overall leads to. But it might at least get the crowd jumping. I don't know if it helps your overall win percentage. But uh, I thought Terry might be someone who could at least be one of the few guys I saw in this who could become an elite scorer in this league. Uh, I see where you're coming from with that, too. Uh, I don't think that you'd be that far off to go with either scenario. But, you know, that's just because of where they stand right now. All right. Uh, I wanted to touch on a couple more teams here at number five is Cleveland I have no clue about this roster and I have no clue what they do to draft here and I I I mean I guess Darius Garland and Colin Sexton might be trade assets maybe I don't think Kevin Love is a trade asset and Drummond's on a one-year deal now so I just don't know what to make of this roster or where they go. See, I think that 
this team, it's it's a little bit tougher for them. Uh, part of it because uh, I feel like they need to decide whether Draymond is in their long-term plans or not. Uh, the thing that, sorry, I said Draymond Drummond. Uh, I'm <laughs> Drummond. Yeah, I'm over here like thinking of the of Golden State, but yeah, no, I think if Drummond is like you know, you have to decide whether he's he's going to be there long term or not. Uh, the fact that you've got him locked in for one year right now, you know, is a little telling. Uh, so I think that they've already got who they believe is the core of their team, um, especially you know, post LeBron James again for a second time. Uh, so I think that they need to really lock down uh, a big man position. And I know I talked about it earlier, but this is one of those spots where I could see uh, the center from USC going. Um, I think he fits in here. You know, you kind of have one year to play him around with Drummond a little bit and kind of see what he can offer. I don't think he's really that much of a stretch to go at five. So, Yeah, the only problem with that is Love's also here. And uh, I just don't, I mean, if they can trade Love, which they've been unsuccessful at doing, essentially you're drafting that USC kid and he's going to sit on the bench because he's not going to get playing time over Drummond or Love. But uh, once again, I don't know where they go because you can't draft the guards either because you aren't going to play them over Garland or Sexton, who you've wasted your top you know, five picks on the last two years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, do you, there's no way that Wiseman makes it to this late in the, in the draft. Do you, I don't, I there don't are some places that late. say that, but I, I think somebody would trade up. But once again, I don't know if he fits. I mean, isn't he just sort of a, a younger version of Andre Drummond, really? Yeah, but at this point, you have somebody to that you can rely on for the future, so you don't have to worry about extending Drummond. You can keep a guy at a much cheaper rate. Yeah, that's true. I, I see your point. I just, I think it's this Cleveland roster is a, it's a mess. It's, oh, it's definitely a head scratcher. But I mean, we saw it the last time that you know LeBron left town. That team was kind of left in shambles, and you know they tried to rebuild and it didn't quite work out for them the way they thought. And this is kind of where they stand right now. I mean, are they going to turn that corner and actually rebuild after LeBron leaving again? Or uh, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, the other thing I could see is uh, we didn't touch on him, but uh, the Iowa state product, Therese Halliburton. Now they, I don't know if they could pull off selecting a third point guard three years in a row, but uh I mean, he's the most actual true point guard of the three. He he can get everybody involved, and uh, he's sort of a pass-first guy who can get to the basket and create for others. But um, I, you definitely have to probably trade either Garland or Sexton if you could. And, you know, you probably have to sell them on the cheap. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And, you know, the thing is how much value are you going to get back from them? You know, for one, they're not known for their defensive uh, – Abilities, I believe they had one of the worst defenses in the league. Well, Halliburton wouldn't help that either. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know he wouldn't. And defensively, they're pretty bad, you know, but they're kind of stuck with with what they have right now because of what they've wasted on them. So if you do trade away one of them, what kind of value are you going to get back from them? Because what is this saying to pick another guard again? You know, what is this saying about the rest of your guards? It's just, 
I mean, I could see them having to do it. I just think that it, it'd be really far-fetched. Yeah. Uh, just a, probably a bad situation overall. Um, I wanted to touch on one more team. We're running a little long here, so we might have to do a two-parter and do another session next week. (laughs) All right. uh, I wanted to touch on Washington. They got the number nine pick. Now, John Wall's going to be back. Bradley Beal is there. Rui played pretty well this year, and uh, Thomas Bryant wasn't, you know, that bad. So I don't think they have a great team, but they certainly have a team that is capable of making the playoffs with that kind of talent on it, if that's a you know if John Wall is healthy and recovered from the Achilles. Now this could be also a team that you know I don't know if they quite have the assets to trade up, but uh, if they could trade up and get a, one of those elite guys in there. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I I just don't see what they could offer though, um, and there are still the question Other than marks. Bradley Beal, which would be insane. Yeah, which you can't really do it right now, especially when you don't know what Wall's bringing back. So um, they're in a tough situation too. But if they stay put, you know, I could see them going for a center, a big guy, someone to lock down defensively, a rim protector type. But, yeah, it's another tough situation there. The other thought I had here was uh, this would be the spot for Melo. You have two guys who are superstars in this league or, you know, semi-superstars in this league. So, you know, he could come in there, he could create, and he wouldn't necessarily be, you know, tasked with trying to carry this team. He could fit in as a role player, grow into it, and, uh, you know, having Beal and Wall there to, you know, placate you and uh, create shots for, I think this would probably be the best fit I think I see on the board overall other than Golden State, which I think Golden State would totally pass. Yeah, I could see your logic with it. My only thing is, you know, with those question marks with with ball and big personalities already in the room, I don't know how well they would mesh or if they would clash or anything. So, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, and I agree with it. It's just he seems a little riskier in a situation like this to me. Yeah, it, it could also go very poorly where those two gang up and hate him and watch him chuck some 40-foot three and then probably punch him in the face at, at <laughs> halftime. Yeah, it's not something we want to see. All right. Uh, I think that does it for, uh, we'll call this draft uh, preview part one and uh, have a part two uh, either sometime next week or uh, the week before the draft. How about that? That sounds good to me. All right. Uh Thanks, Achilles Rain, for joining us for our draft preview. That's our show, and we're out.